<clears throat> All right. Well, thank you. What is up, Dallas Bible Church? I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Aaron, for that intro and for telling us to be seated, even though we were already seated. Um, but, man, I'm really excited and honored to be here. And I want to thank Aaron uh, and Marty and Gary and Ken, the other elders who asked me to preach the word today. Um, honored to do that. So I'm going to pray and we're going to dive in, okay? Father, thank you so much just for, just for who you are. God, you're good. You love us. You've given us your son and your spirit. I pray that Jesus would be honored today. Spirit, would you move in our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, as Aaron said, I am the middle school director, middle school minister here at DBC. I've been in that position for two years now, which is crazy to think about. Um, I love getting to serve and uh, see what God is doing in the lives of our middle schoolers here at DBC. Youth ministry had a huge impact on my own life, so it's, it's really a joy for me to be able to like, turn back around and pour into kids, um, students here at DBC. So my wife, Shelby, and I, Shelby's over here, um, we have been married for four years, and we have been uh, coming to DBC for about four years. I think we have a picture of our family. Um, and then we have a little, sweet little daughter, Aubrey Grace. She is 21 months old. She's adorable, obviously. Um, and uh, she's, she's been coming, she's only 21 months old, but she's been coming to church for 30 months, right? So it's pretty, she's, she's pretty impressive. Um, but Aubrey is cute and adorable, but she's also very assertive, Okay. She's very independent. She's very self-sufficient for a 21-month-old. She loves doing things by herself. Okay, and I have a picture that really describes, kind of portrays her well. Um, I think we got the next picture. There she is. So she's also apparently a part-time bodybuilder. But, um, you know, she can hang clean like 250 pounds. It's pretty awesome. I'm just kidding. It's ridiculous. It's like 210. Um, but... This is, this is Aubrey, right? She's like, I'm going to go take on the world. You know, this is, what, this is who she is. She's, she, she, she thinks she's really strong and independent, self-sufficient. So, for instance, we live on the third story of our apartment complex. Uh, so we basically hike up Everest, you know, to get to our room. And Aubrey loves going up the stairs. And she loves going up the stairs by herself, okay? So we'll be walking up the stairs. Now, remember, she's not even two, okay? So she's not very efficient at doing this. Um, and if I try to hold her hand and just kind of pull her up, you know, just get, get her going a little bit faster than what she normally is, she says her favorite word, okay? Let me guess what that is. No, right? She's like, no. She kind of slaps my hand and she keeps going by herself. So 15 minutes later, we get up to, the, to our apartment, right? Um, another thing that she really loves doing is she loves dressing herself, okay? And the disclaimer here is that she can't do it, right? She can't dress herself. She's 21 months old. She doesn't have the, like, motor skills, the capability, the strength, the power. I mean, she's not capable to dress herself. So last week, we had, Shelby and I had put Aubrey down uh, in her crib to go, to go to bed, and we were watching uh, TV, and uh, probably were re-watching Stranger Things, getting ready for Stranger Things 3 that just came out, and it's awesome, but no spoilers, all right? Nothing today. Um, <laughs> I'm also, I'm a middle school minister, so I just say random stuff sometimes, and just, they just, 
we'll, we'll be okay. Okay, so we put her down to sleep, right? And we kind of, we hear her yelling from the room. And this isn't like a cry, like, oh, I'm not tired. I want to come, you know, come and play or whatever. It's like she's struggling to do something. She's like yelling, kind of like she's struggling. So we go in there and Aubrey's in her crib. And somehow she had reached into her hamper and pulled out a shirt. And she thought the shirt was pants. And she had put both of her, she had put both of her legs into one arm sleeve and pulled it like all the way up, right? And she's like not moving. So she looks like a mermaid and she's kind of like floundering around like in her crib, okay? Right? Because she's 21 months old. She can't dress herself, right? She doesn't have the capability to do that. She's not sufficient to do that. I tell you about Aubrey, not just because I like talking about her, um, which I do, but because independence, supposed self-sufficiency, capability, strength, power, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, a lot of us in here, we want to follow Jesus. That's what we want to do. But do we have the power, the strength, the capability to do that? We're going to be looking at a story in the Gospel of Mark today. Okay, so you can start flipping there, turn on your phones, and go to the Bible app if you want to. Mark, we're going to be in Mark chapter nine. We're going to we're going to see the answer to this question: Are we strong enough to follow Jesus? Do we have the power, the capability to follow Him? And the story is going to answer that question that question in kind of like a, a paradoxical way. Um, but before we get into that, let me let me overview Mark real quick while, while you're while you're turning there. Um, I come to this side of the stage too much, you know. I'm gonna come over here. There we go. All right. So the Gospel of Mark, first verse, pretty much lays out what Mark is doing in this entire gospel. Okay, it's the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So Mark is writing; he's communicating to us, the readers, who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. And what he's saying is that has huge implications for us. So if Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, we should follow him. But remember, the question is, are we able? Do we have the power, the strength to do that? I'm going to give you the answer up front, okay? The answer is no, we don't. But this is where the paradox kind of comes in, right? Because once you say no, then the answer actually becomes yes. Now what I mean by that, okay, and this is the main point we're going to be talking about today. This is what I mean. We're going to see this played out through this story. Self-sufficiency robs you of experiencing God's power. But Jesus' dependency, depending on Jesus, results in experiencing God's power. Okay, so we're going to start off by looking at the negative example in this story. And ironically, that's Jesus' own disciples. Okay, so Mark 9 we're going to be in verse 14. I'm going to read through 19. Okay, Mark 9, 14 through 19. So when they came back, and they here, the, the they is Jesus, Peter, James, and John. He, they all four were just on the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay, Jesus is transfigured. Elijah and Moses are there. God is speaking. The disciples are like, what the heck is going on? Okay, they're coming down from the mountain, and this is what they see. And they came back to the disciples. They saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, 
I brought you my son, possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him to the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out and they could not do it. And Jesus answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. Okay. It's a pretty weird story, right? Of a failed exorcism. We're going to get into that more here. But what's going on here? The, the disciples, they're, they're the example, the first part of that statement. They're self-sufficient. They think they're strong enough. And what happens is that robs them of experiencing God's power. And they're not strong enough to drive out this demon from this boy. Now, I want to point out one word in verse 18. See, at the end of verse 18, okay? And this is a very important word. It's a very rare word in the Gospel of Mark. It only happens four times. And Mark is doing something with this word, okay? It's the Greek verb iskuo. Iskuo. It means to be powerful enough or to be strong enough to accomplish something, okay? So it happens four times in Mark. Second time it happens in Mark, number two, is... Uh, the townspeople, it really is just people generally of this, of this town in the garrisons. The people were not iskuo. They were not strong enough to subdue a demon-possessed man. All right, so the people, not iskuo. Then the third time is this story here in Mark 9, where Jesus' own disciples are not iskuo. They're not strong enough and not powerful enough to drive out this demon. And then the last time it's used in the Gospel of Mark, it's Mark 14, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Peter... Jesus' closest companion, the leader of the disciples, is not strong enough to stay awake, to keep watch, to pray. Peter's not a school. So notice what Mark is doing here, okay? Notice the pattern. People, Jesus' disciples, the leader of the disciples, Peter. What Mark is saying, by using this word here, he's lumping together everyone into this category of not a Not strong enough. Now, I'll never forget, that was a shout out to Pastor Aaron Armstrong there. That's a, a phrase he says quite often. I'll never forget, the dude's, me the dude's memory is like a steel trap. Um, I'll never forget, it was 1865. And, um, but seriously, I will never forget. Uh, I was a senior in high school, okay, 18. Me, my sister, my dad, and my cousin went to the gym to work out together, okay? And 18-year-old Warren thought it was a good idea to challenge my family to a pull-up contest, okay? Um, really, my, my angle here was like, I just wanted to beat my dad in a pull-up contest, okay? I challenged my family. I was focused on my dad. I wanted to beat my dad. My thought was like, okay, I'm 18. I'm an athlete. Like, I work out a decent amount. Like, I got this in the bag, right? I'm stronger than my dad. Nothing against my dad. Like, he's a pretty strong guy. He's in, in decent shape, but he's my dad. He's old, right? So... Anyway, I volunteer to go first, so I hop onto the bar, and I start cranking out some pull-ups. I, I don't remember how many I do, but I remember finishing and, like, getting down, and it's just like, I felt pretty good about myself. It's like, yeah, I'm pretty strong. Um, there's no way my dad's going to beat me here, right? So eventually, my dad gets up. He doesn't jump onto the bar. He kind of crawls onto the bar, right? Uh, he's got some elbow braces on. His joints are, like, cracking and popping as he's holding, you know, he's getting on there. My dad's not 125, but... 
he's old. Um, and so he starts doing pull-ups, okay? And I'm kind of sitting there watching him. It's like, you know, I'm proud of you, Dad. You know, you got a couple of pull-ups. Way to go. And then, like, something happens. And the guy just, like, doesn't stop, <laughs> right? He just keeps going and going and going, right? I don't remember how many he does. I remember he destroyed me. Like, it wasn't even close, right? <laughs> My dad had beat me in a pull-up contest. You know, I was, <laughs> I, was, I was running through the story with Cameron and Aaron last week, and Cameron was like, hey, you're lucky Aubrey wasn't there because she would have beaten you too. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's very accurate. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, um, look, the point of this silly story, right, is like, I thought I was strong enough. I thought I was escuo, and I wasn't. And that dilemma is the same thing that's going on in this story with the disciples. That's, this is the dilemma that's going on in the entire gospel of Mark, disciples thinking they're strong enough and they're not. Really, this is the dilemma of the entire biblical story, right? God's people thinking they're strong enough, and they're not. It's my story. It's your story. It's our story. And it's our story, and it's the disciples' story here, because we're still fighting the same enemy. Satan and his forces, right, the enemy, are very real and very strong. They're stronger than you. Stronger than me. Stronger than Jesus' disciples. This story is really a wake-up call to the reality of spiritual warfare, okay? This is very real. Since the garden, this world is Satan's domain. But God is taking it back. He's taking it back, okay? He started already doing that with the sending of his son, right, the incarnation. Jesus is invading the enemy's territory. That's what Pentecost is about, too. The spirit coming, that's an invasion of Satan's territory, and he's still invading it now through us, the spirit-indwelt body of Christ being sent out into the world. God's taking it back. But here's the deal. You, me, us, we're not sufficient of ourselves to, to take it back. We're not sufficient to defeat the enemy. We are not escuo. Now, look, the battle is not always manifested as, clear, as clearly as it is in this story, right? But there's a battle going on all of the time, all the time. So if we're not strong enough, what do we do? And the answer to that is we do what the disciples didn't do in the story. We pray. Okay, so we're going to skip down. We're going to see this come out in verses 28 and 29 of Mark 9. I'm skipping over the middle. Okay, we're going to come back to that. But FYI, Jesus casts out the demon. He heals the boy. He does what the disciples can't do, which is what he does all the time, right? Praise God for him. But we're going we're to see this in verse 28 and 29. When he, Jesus, came into the house, and remember, this is after Jesus has been victorious, right? When Jesus came into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Okay, I'm going to make a couple comments here on the text. Um, notice the disciples' question. What are they still focused on? themselves. Why could we not drive it out? Now, this is really cool. Kind of a Bible nerd. I'm going to do a 
a quick Greek lesson, okay? With, in Greek, the verb, in Greek, the subject of the verb is supplied within the verb itself. So the we is already there in the verb. And what Mark does is he actually adds the pronoun we again. It's double. And then he puts the pronoun at the front of the sentence. In the Greek text, it's the first word. So Mark is really wanting us readers to know, this is what the disciples are focusing on. Why couldn't we drive it out? And then notice Jesus' response, okay? He doesn't even play that game. He doesn't say you. He actually redirects their attention from themselves to God. He says this kind only comes out by prayer. And the implication here is that the disciples didn't pray. Because, remember we talked about the main point, self-sufficiency robs you of experiencing God's power. The disciples didn't pray. They didn't think they needed God, whether that was conscious or subconscious, right? Now, you can't necessarily blame them. If you've read the Gospels at all, the disciples are casting out demons left and right, right? They've done this before. They know what to say. They know where to put their hand, right? They know what to do in the situation. They got this. They were sufficient in that. But they weren't, actually. They thought they were. So what, what is it for you? What kingdom activity, kingdom work are you involved in? Maybe you do on a semi-regular basis that you've become pretty self-sufficient in. Something too big or small here. The disciples thought they were self-sufficient in casting out demons, Right? I know for me, I'm a youth minister, right? So being a middle school minister, it's really easy to think I'm self-sufficient in doing that. I give a talk to the middle schoolers like every week, every Wednesday. What text are we going over? Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I know that pretty well. I'm just going to wing it, you know? I can hang out with the middle schoolers and be cool, whatever. Just sounded like such a dad. Uh, <laughs> I am a dad, but anyway. Um, Right, but I think I'm self-sufficient. What's crazy is that I'm not even thinking about praying. So it's not a conscious thing where I'm like, God, you know what? I really don't need you. I'm good. I'm so confident in my own ability. I'm not, that's not even a question. A prayer's not a question. I'm not even thinking about it because I'm self-sufficient. I'm good. Maybe for you, it's volunteering in the children's ministry. You do that every other week or you do that once a month. You've been doing that for a year, two years, three years, however long. You know how to look at the curriculum and you know how to make sure the class doesn't get like too crazy, right? You can be a warm body in a room. Y'all, right now, right now, behind me in the children's ministry area, God is taking the kids of DBC from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's happening right behind me. You get to be a part of that. It's not just babysitting. So are we asking God to do that? Because we can't. He does. Right? Or maybe it's something that you've convinced yourself is really not connected to God's kingdom or, you know, like parenting, being a spouse, being a friend, work, 
being a boss or an employee, being a student, right? Being an athlete, being involved in band or dance or whatever. I can get my kids from A, B, and C at this time and at this time at this time and this time. I can go to this practice and I can go train here. Y'all, it's all connected. And we rely on ourselves. We're robbing ourselves of experiencing God's power in our own lives. Okay, so that's the negative example. We're going we're gonna to talk about the positive example in the story now, okay? And the character in the story that's the positive example is the boy, I'm sorry, is the father of the boy who's demon-possessed, okay? And this father gets that Jesus' dependency results in experiencing God's power. So we're going to read verses 20 through 24, Mark 9. We'll see this play out, okay? <clears throat> so they brought the boy to Jesus, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion, and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Okay? The father gets it. He gets that he doesn't have it, that he's not a school. He gets that he's got to depend on Jesus. Right? He cries out to him. Even in his, he even knows, even in his belief, he needs help. I do believe, but at the same time, I kind of don't. Like, help me, Jesus. Now, this also reminds me um, of Aubrey, my daughter. Um, something she loves doing, okay, is uh, jumping, right? She just likes to jump. Um, her mom was a collegiate volleyball player, so that's probably where she gets it from. She was an all-American collegiate volleyball player, by the way. Um, so, yeah. You're awesome, sweetie. Uh, so, so anyway, Aubrey loves jumping, okay? And remember, we live on the third story of our apartment complex, right? So our people below us love that, that she loves jumping. Um, but anyway, so when we play basketball in the student uh, ministry building, in the youth building, some of the students, right, are usually a student like Luke Iatt or another student like Luke Iatt um, will lower the rim to like eight feet, okay, because they want to dunk on the basketball hoop. Uh, and when Aubrey's in there and she sees the hoop lowered, right, she realizes, like, that's actually pretty low compared to like that 10-foot one over there, you know. So she goes over to it. She's got a, you know, ball in her hand and she'll jump, you know, like an inch or so off the ground and she'll toss the ball, goes up like a foot, you know, doesn't really get close. But Aubrey's learned something. She's learned a word. And it's the same word that the father in this story learned. Help. Right? And she says it really cute. She doesn't say it with an E. She says it with an A. Help. Right? So, when she sees the basket is, is lowered by Luke. <laughs> Picking on Luke. Sorry, Luke. Um, and she sees, like, okay, it's, it's kind of low. She'll go up to it with the basketball. She'll look up at it. And then if I'm in the gym, she'll look over at me and she'll say, Dada, help. Right? So I'll go over there. I'll say, all right, Aubrey, on three, we're going to jump. Ready? One, two, three. 
she jumps, and again, she gets like an inch off the ground. And I pick her up, and I carry her all the way up there and reach her up, and she dunks the basketball. Two-year-old on an eight-foot basket dunking. <laughs> right? But Aubrey gets that depending on dad, dad, depending on her dad means experiencing the power of her dad. That's what the father of the boy in the story gets. He gets that depending on Jesus means experiencing the power of God in his life. And that's what happens. His son, the demon, is cast out and his, his boy is healed. He experiences God's power because he depends on Jesus. Because he does what the disciples didn't do. He prays. Now, some of you, when I just said that, are like, wait, 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 hold on, okay? Now, this is, this is really cool, all right? This is what Mark is doing here in this text. Remember, Jesus' last word, okay, in this, in, the, in this story, verse 29, he says, this kind can only come out by anything but prayer. That's what Jesus says. And you read through it, and you get to that verse, and you're like, wait, hold up, Jesus. Where was the prayer? Right? I, th I think Mark's doing that on purpose. He wants you to go back and reread it, and when you do that, you see the prayer from the father of the boy. And who is he praying to? Jesus. He says, help me. It's a cry of desperation. It's a prayer. Help me in my unbelief. Because the father gets that depending on Jesus leads to experiencing God's power in his life. Now look, I don't know, I don't know how God will manifest his power in your life right, or, or how you're going to experience God's power in your life, but if you're depending on Jesus, I can tell you that's going to happen. Um, now, it might happen exactly like in this story, where you have power over demonic entities, right? That's legit. But also, maybe, maybe it's the power to, to persevere, right, in trial. Maybe some of you in here are going through just really, really tough time right now. I don't know what's going on. You're just, you're just in it. Depend on Jesus. He's going, and you're going to get the power to persevere. Okay, that's what Paul, that's what he means in 2 Corinthians. When Paul says, like, hey, I'm going to boast in my trials, in my tribulations, and my weaknesses, because in Christ, when I am weak, then I am strong. Right? Maybe it's power for, for wisdom or discernment. Like, you've got an important decision to make, and you do not know what to do. Like, what do I... I you have no clue, no direction. God gives power and wisdom and discernment. Ask. Depend on Jesus. I got a really cool story about that, actually. Um, I was in college, and um, I really liked this awesome girl named Shelby. And I was pretty sure this awesome girl liked me back. Um, now, we, we were talking, okay? Um, so y'all don't know that lingo. It's kind of like you're not officially dating, but you're on your way to officially dating, right? So, and I could just tell, just because of the woman that she was and the gravity of the situation, kind of the heaviness of the relationship, it was like, it was kind of a, you know, no turning back point. It was like, we're about to go into a serious relationship, like leading towards marriage, or this needs to end. Um, and I was kind of freaking out, you know? I, I didn't know what to do. So, uh, one week I went home for summer, and I uh, was there for a week away from Shelby, and I spent that week uh, praying a lot about that. 
asking for wisdom, asking for direction. And um, one of the days after praying, I came downstairs, and on the kitchen table was a white envelope, okay, on the kitchen table. And on that envelope was my name, Warren Truesdale, written in calligraphy. And underneath that, in calligraphy, it says, open in 2013. It was 2013. My name is Warren Truesdale. I was just like, what is happening right now, <laughs> right? So I thought my mom was home, so I started yelling out, mom, mom, like, what is this? I couldn't find her. It's like, okay. So I grabbed the envelope. I went to my room, and I opened it up. Now, still, I have no idea what this is, okay? And I open up, I unfold the piece of paper, and I see my handwriting with my name written on the top right corner, and then the date, and it's from 2002, okay? So 11 years earlier. And I'm still like, what is happening? And then I see the rest of the paper is my mom's handwriting. And that's when it hits me. It's like, I know what this is. This was from fourth grade. This was an assignment that we were supposed to do. We went home to our parents and you were supposed to have your mom or your dad write down the attributes of what they wanted your future spouse to look like. Right? It's like, <laughs> so I'm reading this, and this is like, that's Shelby, that's Shelby, that's Shelby, that's Shelby, okay? Y'all, for once in my life, I was actually depending on Jesus, and I experienced God's power in a really real way, right? So we started dating. Uh, I pr proposed 11 months later, and we were married a year after that, and now we have a baby. Boom. Um, <laughs> But really, depending on Jesus leads to experiencing God's power in your life, okay? So if Jesus' dependency results in experiencing God's power, which is what we're saying, then the question is, are you depending on Jesus? What Jesus is saying here at the end of this story is that it's actually really simple to tell. What does your prayer life look like? Are you praying? Am I praying? Are we as a church praying? Look, and I get, I get prayer is like a super convicting topic. It's guilt-ridden a lot, okay? I'm not trying to guilt you into, into praying. I mean, that's not what Jesus is doing here, and that's not what Mark is trying to do by telling the story. And I think this actually gets to the more subtle point of what's, of what's really going on. It's not just are you praying. What's the motivation for you to pray? Right, it's really easy for me to, for my motivation to be like, well, I'm a seminary student, I'm a youth minister, I'm about to preach on prayer. Like, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I probably should pray, you know. But that's no, definitely guilt-ridden, right? It's going to be easy for y'all after hearing this sermon. It's like, well, Warren said that like good Christians pray, and I, I should probably pray then. That's not what's going on. What Mark is trying to communicate here is that we pray because we truly believe, like actually believe, that we need God to show up. We need him to intervene. We need his power because we can't do it. We can't fight the enemy. We're going to lose. We need him to do it. So do you actually believe that? If you I think if, if we truly understood how dependent we are on God, and how real and active and strong the enemy is, we'd be praying a lot more than we do. Okay, but if you're like me, uh, and prayer is something you struggle with, right? Something that's hard to do. 
Maybe you don't have the will or the strength or the power to consistently pray. If you're not a scuo, then do what the father does in this story. The father of the boy. Do what Aubrey does. Ask for help. God, I know I should pray and I'm dependent on you, but at the same time, like I act like and, and, and feel like I, I don't need to. And I'm pretty self-sufficient. Help me. Because here's the truth. The truth is, is that we're not strong enough, right? We're not a school. We are like the people in Mark 5 of the town that are not strong enough to subdue the demon-possessed man, right? They're not a school. The people aren't. We're like the disciples in this story. Jesus' own disciples who are not strong enough to cast out the demon. Not a school. We're like Peter, Jesus' closest companion, the leader of the disciple disciples who's not strong enough to watch and pray, not escuo. We're not escuo. That's the point. Jesus is. And that's why the very first time this word escuo is used in Mark, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is actually talking about why he came. This is what he says. I did not come for those who are strong, for those who are I came for those who are weak. So if you're not a school, it's good news. Because Jesus came and lived and died and rose again and is coming back for you, for me, for us. We're not a school. He is. So let's depend on Jesus and not ourselves. So we're going to transition now. Band, you can start coming up. We're going to transition into a time where we actually get to do just that. We get to depend on Jesus. We're going to go to the Lord's table and take communion. Look, and what, we're, what communion is, is we are proclaiming together, united as the body of Christ, as the church, that we need Jesus, that we are dependent on him. That's what we're proclaiming. We're proclaiming that we needed his sacrifice, his broken body, and poured out blood, that we still need him now to sustain us in this life, and that we need him to come back and to make all things new. That's what communion is, declaring, proclaiming our need. So I invite you to do that, to spend time praying, thinking about asking God to show you your need for him. There's elements up here at these tables, and there's two in the back. You can just start making your way there whenever you're ready. Take, grab the elements and return to your seat, and I'll come up here, and we'll take them together as the church.